Welcome to DeFi by Design, where we talk all things blockchain and cryptocurrency while striving to educate, empower, and enrich. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the DeFi by Design podcast. Here today in the roll-up studio with Rob and his hairy arms and our boy Alwyn, who is the... Look at those arms, GM. Alwyn's... Uh, one of the co-founders of Vertex, we had Darius on as well, his sweet British accent two months ago or so. Now we've got the pleasure of meeting Alan, who is the co-founder, like I said, and also, interestingly enough, the youngest full-time hire from Jump. GM Alan, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing okay. Um, yeah, just spend some time surviving. And, yeah. Nice, man. Nice. How did you uh how did you meet Darius and like how did you like what's your what's your origin story? Um Yeah, so for like meeting Darius, like I, I used to like work on Terra. Um so I just met him through a mutual friend. Um and Darius was looking to build something on Terra. And I was also just like sort of in between things. So um he just made the introduction and like we got along pretty well. Nice. How nice. did you get into Terra? Like, if you take us back further. Yeah, so, like, um, I got into crypto basically just by starting a jump. Um, so I wanted to, like, you know, trade futures or equities or something. But, like, at the time, it's, like, 2021. Um, crypto is, like, probably the most exciting thing going on. Um, so I ended up on the crypto team at Jump. And, um, yeah, I worked on some Terra stuff while I was there. And then... That's how I got like really familiar with the Terra ecosystem. Um, yeah, just got to know like a lot of the people who are high up there. So it just like made a lot of sense as like a career move if I were to go leave and start something. Nice. And how old were you when you got hired? Um, yeah, so I was 18. Um, which... Nice. And 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 you got a, a, a programming background. That's That was kind of what you were uh, interested in prior. Um, yeah, so like I... I taught myself how to code when I was in high school and then for college I went to West Point which was this like military school in the states and West Point just wasn't really that great of a fit I didn't really like it that much um and yeah I figured I could probably just drop out and just get a programming job and then yeah sort of just you know worked at like some no-name places for a bit um ended up at jump and yeah the rest is just like degeneracy all the way through so at least two of us. I uh, <laughs> I had some friends who went to West Point, and yeah, man, that's a that's an interesting environment. Also, we are part of of the dropout gang, so uh, good to have you. Rob's got two degrees, one in math and one in um, philosophy. So I always say that Rob's makes up mine. I'm sure there's some people on the team who also can make up yours. Do you do you use any of those degrees? Theoretically, I use them every day. Like, I, I'm not a math teacher, but like, there's plenty of math in analyzing the game theory of a lot of these mechanisms. Philosophy, it's like, well, we all think. So, like, that's all philosophy is. I think every day. So, I think I just heard I use my degrees. I just heard so much cope, man. Yeah, I I heard I don't hear every day. I think, um, 
out and just ganging to the drop. I was just hanging up with a guy who actually made it through. Well, that wasn't my. I couldn't make it. I got my third degree in cope. <laughs> I wasn't smart enough to make it through college, so, um, yeah, that's what. Yeah, so but now you're the, uh, now you're fully involved in perps, which you thought was kind of, um, you know, I call it a zero to one. I'm like, um, in the stock market, you can't really trade perps. You can trade futures, but they always have expirations on them. And then Binance and BitMEX kind of launched these these. These trading platforms where they have funding rates, and you can basically open leverage positions forever, actually. Um, and all of those kind of strategies. Did you ever um, see any of that? Uh, those arbitrage strategies on Bitmax back in the day, or was that a little bit before your time? Dude, I, I was like thirteen, and that was the thing. I was going to middle school, man. Yeah, sorry, I was getting liquidated. Although I, I never traded on there because um, I didn't have access to it. Anyways, I think that perps are generally a zero to one thing, and especially bringing them into the, the decentralized landscape. Um, yeah, you know, I'm 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 curious, kind of your perspective, if 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 you agree or if you think that you know there's other use cases that are more impactful from you know specifically like like the financials and the derivatives market. Like generally, I think perps have just been like a massive. Um, use case for people wanting to engage in trading in crypto. Uh, yeah, and like like perps are just like a really capital efficient and nice way if you want to like just gamble on some crypto coin. Um, it's like it's a lot less complicated than trading spot. And you know if you're like a if you're like a firm that has like sort of custody and like regulatory requirements, like a lot of times you can't like hold physical tokens. So like like. Perps is actually like sort of nicer um, in that respect. So yeah, I mean, it, it opens a lot of doors. Um, and like, at least when you look at like what financial products have market share at crypto, like perps are just really, really dominant. For sure. I remember reading, I don't know if, if you've ever had a gander at um, Devil Take the Hingmost, um, but they, you know, it's, it's a book about a tons of, of uh, stock market and speculative bubbles over the last 200 years. And what's interesting about futures contracts in the real world is they actually settle in real world goods, corn and, um, you know, cows, meat, electricity, different things, right? That energy, things that power the world, commodities, basically. And there's been times in those markets where legitimately the speculators have pushed prices so high on futures trading that caused dynamics in those markets to be completely out of, out of whack. But in crypto, since there's no physical settlement, as as you're saying, since perps don't require you to actually own the coin, um, you know that to me is kind of what the uh, what the what the big uh, key thing is. So I agree with you on that front. Yeah, I mean, like, um, I don't know if that's like uh, like not requiring like physical settlement. Like on one hand, like yeah, it does make like um, the life of a speculator easier. But it's also like, you know, at the end of all of those futures products, there's like, you know, real value that's like getting traded and like, you know, like a farmer is able to like hedge out like his crop yield or something like that. Um, so like, yeah, I would say that like they both have like um, their use cases. It's just that like, I don't know, like in crypto, like there's not really that like I'm a person who like has like an actual business that's producing value and 
I want to like um, hedge out like my revenue or something like that. Like that doesn't really exist. And like, so perps are just like a much better like gambling mechanism. I mean, you can hedge your, uh, if, if you're a team who, who is a part of a project, you can hedge your allocations. You can short assets that you think are overhyped. So very much so agreeing. And as far as the use case without the physical business, wouldn't go as far as, as to say, value creation, but to each their own. Um, do you think yeah. there's a, do you think there's use cases of blockchain and crypto beyond speculation? Um, like, I, I think there's some, um, like, but there's not like, I, I think it's a lot less than like what sort of like made out to be, right? Um, like a lot of people want to project like, oh, this specific application of blockchains, like, um, the next big thing because it's like in their interest. Um, like, I, I think that like just real world assets getting tokenized on chain. Um, yeah, I think that like that has like a genuine use case. Um, I think in a lot of ways, like crypto payment rails are like nicer than like traditional finance payment rails. Um, but like, I think that like, and then there's also something to be said about like, with uh, with like AI and like things being fake, like things being fakeable really easily, that makes it that like you want like just this provable like attestation of like what actually happened. Um, like I think those things are real world use cases um, that like aren't speculative. I'll say that like most of what we're seeing right now like is speculative. Um, but like, yeah, there's like some hope for sure. Are there are there uh, particular are those the uh, like like the sectors and verticals that you're personally excited about outside of of course what you guys are doing at at Vertex? Um, so I I guess it's like those are just the things that I could think of off of the top of my head. Um, yeah, like I don't I don't know I'm not like super like up to date on like the narratives and stuff um a lot of the stuff i'm excited about is like um just like pretty technical stuff like okay how can we do this and like you know learning about like some interesting way to like um make something faster or something like that um or like yeah as opposed to like um kind of like piece together narratives and stuff because they don't really impact my life that much um and like i'm pretty set in like the current thing that i'm working on We'll say less, sir. We will uh, we will dive into the Vertex sequencer, some of the off-chain and, and on-chain uh, dynamics that you guys have, may even poke and prod about some centralization or decentralization or, or try to find some edge cases. Um, but before we jump into that, because um, we're going to have to explain kind of what sequencers are and what off-chain uh, ordering and how you guys kind of do your entire... Um, Shabam, but let's talk about Vertex as a whole. So you guys, you and Darius got together. Um, you decided that, you know, the, the perps landscape wasn't adequate for your uh, liking, that you guys could do better. Now you've got Vertex, one of the leading um, perps indexes in the, in the entire space. Um, rushing over, I mean, some days well over uh, $500 million to a billion dollars in volume, not more. Um, you know, I think notionally total maybe like 90 billion since inception so um some guys would call that push and pee i'd say that that's 
pushing some weight. But yeah, man, I would love to learn more about, um, you know, what what uh, challenges and flaws in the Perps text landscape that you guys saw that Vertex now overcomes with some things like one-click trading and some um, of the other experiences. And then happy to, to dive into some more of the technicals uh, with regards to the uh, functioning and the things that you guys are doing to keep, you know, really low latency and high performance. Well, like, uh, unfortunately, we're only at like 50 billion. So, um, no, no so, yeah, so, so for it on the website, I don't, I don't know. Like that's, if it does say 87, then that's bullshit. We're like 51 or something. Um, but like, um, yeah, I mean the, like what we started Vertex back in like, I think 2022, um, like the current iteration sort of came into focus, like like in the second half of 2022. So like at the time, like the landscape was pretty, uh, it was just like, it was not very like, like you could, you had like GMX, um, you had like stuff like, there's even like a perpetual protocol um, with like VA, MMs, and that was like, like considered super innovative at the time. Um, like there really wasn't anything that was like close to competitive with like centralized exchanges. Um, like I think since then, like the landscape has gotten a lot, a lot better, right? Um, like UX has improved pretty dramatically across like, um, yeah, a lot of different projects um, across the spectrum. Um, specific to us, like, um, like we're pretty like dead set on like sort of just pushing like the envelope of in terms of like performance. So, like, we will make some trade offs between like um, performance and like decentralization, right? So decentralization is like a bit of a spectrum. Um, so like on one end is like, you know, you just have a centralized exchange and on the other end is like, you have something like Uniswap and like, we sort of just want to be, um, somewhere in the middle where like our performance is like equivalent to that of a centralized exchange, but, um, like users still have like custody of their assets. Um, we're not like too concerned about stuff like MEV or like, um, Making sure that like the sequencer can't like, you know, cheese the ordering of order placements and stuff like that. Um, it's like one that's just like I think a like that's just a really hard problem to solve, and b like I don't really think a solution is needed. Um, so like what we're doing right now is just trying to push the envelope, um, going for like yeah, just to correct like deals um on the biz side to be like competitive with sexes. Um, yeah, and like seeing where that takes us. Why do you think your go-to-market strategy was able to amass so much like volume relative to the entire perps landscape? Like, I mean, like, I don't think there's anything like too special about our go-to-market strategy. To be honest, like, um, I think we executed it like like it was okay. It wasn't like crazy. Like, obviously, like, and and like, there's things I would have done differently. Um. Obviously, like, you know, having incentives help a lot. Um, being, like, just having, like, a really good product helps a lot. And then, like, where we really shined was with, like, BD and, like, onboarding, like, institutions. So I think, like, as a team, like, our marketing is, like, quite weak. But, like, we were just able to get, like, so many market makers on board so fast. And we just had, like, very, very deep books, like... Um, I don't have like specific numbers on this, but like you can like compare across like different perp dexes and like try and buy like, I don't know, a couple BTC perps or like 
like 100k of BTC and just see like how good execution you get um, across different exchanges. And like Vertex is like incredibly competitive. Um, I think even with like centralized exchanges. Yeah. Yeah. I think the product speaks for itself in terms of, um, you know, usability for somebody like a, like a market maker who's probably using algorithms and things, but even just like your average trader who's used to using trading on, on Binance, when you enable one click trading, it, it, it becomes just as seamless and to kind of deposit from Arbitrum into, and even cross chain now, and even into, in, into Vertex and, and then start to use um, the exchange. Let's kind of talk about the technicals with regards to how this works. App chains have become very popular. Rollup as a service, launched on app specific rollup. Vertex is almost similar. There's some slight differences. Let's let's talk about kind of like the technical structure as to how uh, we got here. So, um, you know, off-chain order book, but things are still happening on-chain. How did you guys come to these decisions and Kind of what is the structure um now um yeah i mean it's like it's not like a particularly like uh it's not like a particular unique structure so it's like pretty similar to like dydx v3 or something like zero x right where like trades settle on chain and then um yeah and like user deposits are stored on chain but like just the order matching is completely off chain um like our reasoning for that structure was was sort of just like like we can go through like different spectrums of decentralization right and what we thought was most important looking at ftx was like like the inability for your funds to be stolen so we thought that that as long as like like that was sort of all the decentralization we really need in my mind um because like as a user like i don't know if you would be like incredibly outraged if like the sequencer swaps your order with like another order um, so like your order gets bumped by like a couple milliseconds as opposed to like all of your funds get stolen, right? So we were very much like, let's do something that like maximizes like the safety of your funds. And then once we have that, just push the envelope of performance as far as it goes. Um, so the first part of that means like having security that like ultimately set us to Ethereum. And then the second part of that is trying to do trying to move like as many components as you can off chain um and like like there's a lot of different like reasons as to why um i think that like that's sort of the best setup for performance um like if you were to have like a blockchain these nodes need to talk to each other um it takes like i don't know like 65 milliseconds for light to like travel halfway around the world you have like a globally distributed set of nodes like for them to like coordinate and come to consensus on like just where your order is like by that point like you're already an order of magnitude off from like being competitive with centralized exchanges um so we figured that like you know we pushed the envelope of decentralization insofar as protecting users and then like to not really bother with decentralization if it doesn't protect users um so that's sort of where we came to this current design Taking a quick commercial break here to tell you guys about our lovely sponsors. Right before we get back to this fascinating discussion, we have a message from our current sponsors. Here we go. I want to take a moment to introduce you to our sponsor, Premia Finance. Premia is a native options protocol that offers market-driven pricing and capital-efficient returns for traders and liquidity providers. 
With Premium, you can trade options on a variety of different crypto assets. What sets Premium apart is its unique pricing mechanism, which is based on the market's expectation of future volatility. This means that options prices are always in line with market conditions, which provides traders with the most fair and transparent pricing. Recently, Premium has just launched their Options Academy, where you can learn for free how to become a proficient options trader. Feel free to check it out at premium.finance, hedge your risks, or amplify your positions um, to earn more capital-efficient returns on Premium Finance. Thank you. And another exciting sponsor to introduce you is Plana Finance. I've recently been onboarded as an advisor for Plana Finance, which is one of the first self-custodial wallets to support account abstraction. With Plana Finance, you can revolutionize your crypto experience and take control of your assets like never before. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing multiple wallets. Hello to a seamless, user-friendly experience. Plana Finance allows you to easily manage your assets, swap tokens, and earn rewards all in one place on your mobile phone. They have an app in the Apple App Store as well as in the Google Play Store. Uh, with Plana Finance's self-custodial wallet, you hold the keys to your assets, ensuring the highest level of security and privacy. With tons of cool features like gasless trading, um, interesting yield competitions, and cool NFTs, there's an amazing amount of effort going into building this app that already has tens of thousands of users. So what are you waiting for? Download Planet Finance today and experience the future of crypto wallets. And was that the pitch to institutions? Like, is that is that balance what resonated with market makers that they weren't getting at their centralized institutions? They were worried about lost funds and then decentralized offerings at the at the time didn't have the type of performance and latency that they had come to expect on centralized exchanges? Or was there something totally different that they enjoyed and they were they got them excited about Vertex? Um I mean, like, there's a, like, so, I mean, the main reason why a market maker would trade on a venue is because it makes the money, right? So, like, obviously, that's, like, the primary pitch, which is, like, um, you know, trade on us, um, you'll make money. But, uh, like, being, like, you know, very competitive with sexes, having the same exact model, so, like, it's very easy for them to integrate. Um, and, like, I guess my, it's not, like... My question is more, like, why are they making money on Vertex, but not on some other exchange? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the answer for that, like, right now is just, like, incentives, right? So, like, um, incentives, like, um, yeah, like, make it so that, like, there's friendlier taker flow and stuff. Um, and then, like, you know, as market makers get on board and, like, have really tight quotes, there's more, like, um, retail users who actually, like, you know, use Vertex as, like, a place to execute. And then, you know, market makers, like, you know, they benefit from, like, um, like that taker flow but like at the very start right obviously that pitch is like like you know we'll incentivize you to come on make markets and then like we'll get you like this taker flow and then like you know you sort of have to bootstrap it like unless unless you're doing like you know an ftx alameda type thing um where you're like you're running around market making firm it's like you just have to solve that chicken and egg problem with something like incentives have you ever uh, programmed any sort of like automated or algorithmic trading um, bots or, or strategies which can be executed in the decentralized purpose landscape, just capturing inefficiencies in the market or market making or, you know, social sentiment or things like that? Um, I mean, I've made some rudimentary like, um, like Dex trading bots, but like, um, 
you know, like nothing particularly sophisticated, just like trying stuff out. Very humble, humble way to say that he is Jared from Subway.eat. I'm just messing around. Um, back to Vertex, though. With regards to some of the technical components that you've been building out, um, obviously, you know, there's been upgrades in the past. And one thing that stands out about Vertex is particularly the the speed of listing new assets. I'm curious, like, how much technical capability or what dev, um, you know, kind of tooling is required to list new assets on Vertex. Um, and then similarly, how you guys go about finding and, you know, asking market makers or kind of telling them and suggesting them to uh, market make on new pairs. Um, yeah, I mean, so like in terms of the dev side, like like the dev side isn't the bottleneck. It's like really easy to add something. Like the hard part is just what you, the second part of your question, which is like getting market makers to support. Um, yeah, unfortunately, like, you know, we're not like an exchange plus a market making shop. Um, so it's, it's like, it's pretty hard actually to like, you know, get new market makers on board new assets. Um, like they, uh, like, you know, a market maker can have like regulatory requirements or something where like they don't want to trade a particular asset. Um, so that's mainly like the hard part, just like interfacing with a lot of different market makers. Um, I don't really like touch like that part that deeply. That's like, um, more of a BD thing, but like, I would say like, we've done okay at listing new stuff and like, um, staying on top of things, but like, obviously like when you're you know, when you're dealing with like a lot of other parties who have like their own requirements and stuff like that, um, it does like make the situation more complicated. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, it's quite it's quite fast. That's the thing though, that there's so many um new token launches right now that it's kind of tough to keep up, but I know that some some perp sexes are kind of making their entire branding like, oh, we have the most assets available to trade on chain. It's yeah, I mean strategy. I think that's actually like I think it's a really good strategy, man, and I think that it works. Like, uh, like most of the volume is still BTC and ETH, right? But like, um, like if you're like a new user, you're like, oh, I'm really hyped up about this token, like, and then this is the only place where I can go trade that token. You bridge in, you start trading, and then like you're gonna stay there to trade BTC and ETH too. So like I think it's a, like a really sound strategy. Um, I think that like for us to do it we would have to probably like start up our own market making shop um and then like that sort of gets pretty close to like ftx alameda so we don't really want yeah. to touch that yeah um a follow-up to that is um what when you're talking or you know when the bd side is talking to 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 market makers um and you you had mentioned this but i kind of want to pin it down even further so those who are listening it's it, it's a broad trend across crypto, especially in Arbitrum right now with the stips. But truly, you can go on Vertex. You earn uh, VRTX every time you trade and Arbitrum tokens right now as part of the stip. That I'm not sure what percentage it is. It's of course proportional to uh, your size and your volume, uh, but ultimately, like that's that's just again another edge that that can be um, you know gathered rather than trading on a centralized exchange. I'm curious if when you talk to people who are relatively new to to perps from traditional finance, and I would expect you and the, and Darius and the BD team to have a lot more of these conversations as things get exciting in the market. Is like, is that that's something to them that is like the icing on the cake? It's like the wow, this is like this is just that they, they just they just look at it as like extra spread, extra um, kind of like you know 
incentive on top? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes like, like, it makes it easier for people to like trade. So like, um, and like, if you're like an automated trader, for example, who's like writing a taking strategy, um, because you're no, you know, that you're getting incentives, right? You're like, you're more likely to like take, even if like, like, even if it's like, you're not completely sure if that's like a good trade, um, if there the incentives weren't there. And then like, that also means that like, um, you know, market makers are also more inclined to quote, like, like tighter to like get that, like take your volume. So it's like, you know, it's like a, it's like a self-fulfilling cycle or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I always say it's like only in crypto do you get paid to trade in traditional markets. You literally pay to trade like back in the day on Schwab and TD Ameritrade, it was, it was like $7 for a trade. Now it's free, right? But <laughs> well, 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 it depends, right? Well, it depends, right? So, like, um, you don't get paid to trade in TradFi, but like, um, like Jane Street does, right? So, like, um, <laughs> like they'll they'll pay like the big boys to like trade and like like for you to run into them. Um, so I guess that's like one of the nice things about crypto, which is like these like incentive programs are like a bit more open to everyone. Um, as opposed to being limited to just like a very small number of institutions. Definitely. Now, uh, what were some of the things that you learned while you were at Jump? Like maybe one of them was like uh, these big boys get paid to trade. Like what what are some of those like tidbits that you picked up while you were there that maybe are misconceptions in the crypto world? Like to be honest with you, I didn't really learn that much about crypto. Um while I was at Jump, like, I think when I was at Jump, I was, like, sort of very starry-eyed, like, going through white papers, like, um, oh my god, this shit is so cool. Um, like, I'd say that, like, most of my learnings were more, like, technical as opposed to, like, like, these are the cynical truths about the world, you know? Um, yeah. But, like, TradFi, like, any TradFi tidbits, like, that's how, like, market makers get paid and incentives work in TradFi. And yeah, I'll be honest with you. Like I learned most of that stuff, like just outside of jump, like, um, like during my time after, like, well, I was at jump, I was like very like sort of technical focused. Um, and like, keep in mind, like I was on the crypto team at jump, right? So like, you don't actually learn a lot about TradFi while you're on the crypto team. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, you know, curious about some learnings as well. Um, as far as the the kind of uh, next steps for Vertex on the technical side, what are you uh, what are you coding these days? Um, yeah, I mean, like the main thing is our cross chain build out, right? Um, so, like to give some context, like I, I think one of the reasons why like our cross chain design is a bit unique is because like we're sort of value additive to um, every chain that we're on. So, for example, like um, most other perp order book perp exchanges work in a manner where it's like, this is where the exchange settles. You bridge your funds over. Everything happens on this layer. And then like when you withdraw, like it just sends you the funds on that base chain. Um, so like the way we're doing cross chain, like sort of settles on every single chain. So like the trades hit every chain. Um, so like just getting that to work um, was what I was working on over the like past month or so. Um, no, and how how does that work? How do you settle a trade on one chain and then 
it settles across all connected ones. Uh, yeah, so, like, I guess that the, the way I would do this analogy would be, like, just, um, pretend we're just dealing with two centralized exchanges, so, like, Binance and Bybit, right? Um, like, how do I match orders, like, an order on Binance with, like, an order on Bybit? Um, and, like, the, the answer to that is sort of, like, um, orders on Binance and Bybit, like, kind of already match each other all the time, just, like, indirectly, right? Because you have, like, trading firms in the middle, like, doing arbitrage between those two exchanges. Um, so what we're almost doing is, like, simulating, like, a, like, a perfect market maker, right? So, like, if you have an order on Binance, sorry, if you have an order on, like, let's say Blast, and then, like, an order on Arbitrum, and then, um, you want to match those two, you, you just create, like, two matches. Um, so it's as if a market maker, like, matched with this order on Blast, and then the same market maker, like, also matched with this order on Arbitrum. Um, so you just have two trades against a market maker, and then that market maker is sort of responsible for like rebalancing funds. Um, so we've sort of just built that into the system, um, where like you have like this perfect market maker that has no incentive to make profit, um, and all it's responsible for doing is just like unifying all these books. Yeah, I was gonna say so. so that doesn't lead to any fragmentation. You guys use some like there's no. Like assets from one chain aren't necessarily transferred to another, or it's just a matter of the market makers on each chain uh, through some sort of interoperability layer or protocol or system can then basically interact with each other to to order to match each other's orders. But that all happens off chain, or uh, what am I missing? Yeah, I, I mean, so like I, I guess the market maker analogy was sort of like, um, yeah, trying to explain how like. Um, like liquidity from one venue sort of bleeds into like another venue um, when like a market maker is active on both venues and like making arbitrage trades. So what we're sort of taking that is like we have these two venues almost, right? We have like this venue on Blast and then this venue on Arbitrum. And what we're doing is like we're having the system act in a way that's similar to like um, a market maker would on Binance or Bybit. And then because like, you know, the system runs everything, um, it's like perfect in the way that it causes the liquidity to like, you know, bleed into each other. And like, at that point, it's just like one book. So um, to step through an example, like say like you have a resting order that's placed by a user on Arbitrum, and then you have like a taker um, that's trying to take on Blast. So that Blast order should match with that order on Arbitrum. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to have um, the market market maker, but it's actually just the system um, pl like place an order on blast. And then that order is going to hit that market maker at the exact same level that, um, the order on Arbitrum would have been at. And then at the same time, the market maker is also going to like place a taker order on Arbitrum. Um, so what happens is that market maker is Delta neutral, right? Like it just gained some position, on blast that I lost some position on mantle or something like that. Um, and then both of those people, sorry, the order on Blast is filled, the order on Arbitrum is filled. Um, so it's like that like trades are just passed through the market maker um, in like a delta neutral way. So that's sort of like that system is just like what we're using to like merge all of these books into one. And like any cross chain trade is just represented as two trades um, one trade on Arbitrum and one trade on Blast. As you combine these books, 
and and books here are the networks. So as you com- as you integrate new networks and and further expand Vertex's book, does the pricing on Vertex get sharper and therefore better pricing to end users? Um, I don't. I think that like um, like every we we hope that like it just looks like one book. Um, so like. I think like we're not really combining books at that stage, um, and what what I do think though is like you know as we get more users and um, as we like open up to like a lot of different chains, um, like there's going to be more incentive to like quote like tighter and deeper. So like I, I hope the pricing gets better and the plan is for it to get better. Got it. Yeah. And does this scale? Does this tech or does this concept of these market makers? Um, interacting cross chain, does this scale to like three chains, five, 10, 12? Is it specific yeah. for optimistic rollups? Does it scale to ZK? Does it scale to L1s? Like, how, what's the capacity here and any like restrictions? Yeah. So, right now, it can scale to any number of EVM chains. Um, yeah. Um, and then, like, if we really wanted to, like, if like a non EVM chain really took off, like, we could build like a contract endpoint for that chain. Like it wouldn't be like, it would be kind of hard to integrate a non-EVM chain, but like not impossible. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then with regards to the Blast launch, um, well, first, uh, why Blast? And then also I'm curious about like the, like the branding and the idea behind that. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, I guess like, um, like why Blast is not like, that's not like a, th- decision that um i like like scrutinized super heavily um like in general like i think blast is like probably going to make it i think their team is like um yeah very sharp and um that's like just one of the reasons why we think that i mean i don't mean to do in a negative way sorry to interject I, i i put it this way why blast rather than optimism oh um i think like so Blast is like a new chain and they have like a lot of eyes on them. And um, one of the things we learned on Arbitrum was like, you can, like during the ARB airdrop thing, like we were we were like one of the latecomers to ARB, right? Um, so even though like we're one of the largest projects on like ARB now, um, I think like for the airdrop, we got zero. Um, and like going through like the whole stip process, it was like pretty difficult like getting votes right because we just had like no actual power on that chain like despite what happened so like um insofar as like starting on a new chain like um it just makes a lot of sense if you think that someone's like going to make it you like going on the ground floor and you want to be like at that like og table so to speak so yeah like on arbitrum that would be like i don't know like gmx camelot and the others right and like you know, they run that chain. They've done a really good job. Um, so like, like one of the big learnings from that was like, yeah, there's like a lot of politics behind the scenes. And like you know, no matter what, like we could talk about product all day, but like you know, playing politics is still important anywhere. Yeah, DAO governance is uh, an interesting beast. And then, so you guys are so you know, most teams go cross chain, and their strategy is let's take our brand. Vertex, Sushi, you name it, Uniswap. And let's 
bring our brand to all these different chains because they will recognize us and, you know, we'll get that name share. We'll have that mind share. You guys kind of went against the grain a bit and you're, you're launching under a different name, um, which I'm forgetting, but you certainly know that I have a, that I think is a more retail oriented vibe. It's got a more fun feel to it. I think perhaps one could say, and and I think it could be more sticky and catch on to blast. Um, users and to just general uh, Ethereum users. So perhaps I've answered my own question a bit, but curious to, to, to hear about more of your learnings with regards to cross-chain branding and strategy and why you guys chose to go in this direction um, and you know actually what the name of, of the new brand is there because I forgot. Gotcha. Yeah, it's called Blitz, but uh, that's honestly kind of bearish. We might we might have to rename it if it's not very memorable. Um, <laughs> uh, um, so... Why are you putting Andy? Why the FUD? Yes. Yeah. Blast Blitz. I mean, hey, blast off, Blitz, blast on. Dude, I blast thought it was you. a good name, but dude, apparently it's just no one, no one cares. But, uh, um, so, uh, like a lot of people disagree on with me on this too. Like a lot of, like, you know, we had like some FUD and stuff like that. Um, and like we've, you know, spent a lot of time talking to like, um, yeah, a lot of stakeholders and stuff to figure out like um the best way to conduct the blast uh sorry like a cross-chain launch um specific to blast like um blast like they're they care a lot about like curating like a certain vibe for their chain um and they care a lot about like projects being blast native right so um yeah like it it makes sense like in the sense that, like, you know, we could, like, launch Vertex on Blast and just call it Vertex and, like, take our existing brand over. Um, but just in terms of, like, the preferences of, like, you know, the L1 team and, like, how we thought, like, you know, what would make, like, a stronger impression um, in that competition and also, like, for users. Um, yeah, we thought that, like, just, like, a new brand just made a lot more sense. Um, like, the way we ultimately thought about it was like it would be better to like you know fork the marketing a bit than to like not do well on blast at all well they can't fork your market makers they can't fork your sequencer maybe they can't fork everything that's happening off chain the team and, and, and all of this but what this strategy is very interesting where you saw uniswap v2 forks be deployed on avalanche at pangolin and you saw a sushi go and but then but then specifically you saw these native ones on each all l1 phantom had like spooky swap so they forked the code and changed the brand which hits in a sense of like being native but it's still kind of like ah you know it's just a fork whereas what you guys could theoretically deploy a new brand on each chain that is applicable to each of those chains vibes using the same cross-chain market making that you guys have and almost have like a native brand that is uh, aligned with each chain's overall pop. Like if you think about these like, as like uh, states um, population that really would jive with them and, and potentially like have a strong product market fit or strong vibe fit, but still get all the best of the Vertex product under and, and the market making, which is uh, it's pretty bullish, man. Well, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, but like, it's still a very like case by case thing per chain. 
Um, so like, I think Blast in particular, the calculus made sense to like, go, like it's still a lot of effort to spin up like a new brand, right? So for Blast, um, given how much they care about like, you know, being native, like I think it like made a lot of sense for like other chains are probably just going to do Vertex. Um, but like, it's just a case by case basis. Um, like we, we try to think really hard about it and like, um, figure out like what's going to be like, you know, most value additive to like Vertex at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, we'll try to figure it out without like creating too much fracturing. I think Glass is going live in, I mean, it should be a couple of days. No, pretty sure it's this, is it not this week or something's this week? Oh, the competition, uh, I think the results come out like next week. Um, and then they're going to go live like the week after that. So it's like, it's very quick. So this pod will probably be out just shortly after that. Um, and so will you guys at that, at this time, speaking of the future here, will, will, will Blitz be live day one on Blast? Is that, is that, is it the plan? Dude, the problem is like, like if I say yes, I can't like retroactively edit this. You know, that's the problem. Um, so like, um, that's like, I'm going to try my hardest, man. Um, that's, that's why I moved in with my parents. So we'll see. But like, like no, no, no promises. Like I, I think that so far, like, you know, we have the cross chain build out fully, um, working on testnet in terms of the backend components, um, front end design is ready to go. So like, you know, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers, but like, you know, we, we could run into a bug or something, but like overall looking good, great progress all around. Nice. Do your parents have any idea what you do? Uh, dude, I, I don't like, I think they just know that like I work with computers. Um, like I try not to talk about it too much. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, just like you see, like we talked about how, like at the start of this thing, I was like Asian, right? It's like, yes, yeah, so I was going to say Asian. Yeah. Culture. Yeah. It's not us. Yeah. Like they, they wanted to meet me to be like a doctor or something. It's not, it's not working yeah. out. They're very disappointed. For sure. He dropped out. <laughs> very yeah, no. But yeah. But the guy that got me into crypto was an Asian guy. He's in pre-med now, or, or he's in med school now, and, and and I've just completely dropped out. You're just talking to him the other day. He was like, dude, I haven't touched crypto since we got liquidated on BitMEX, which never actually happened because we weren't able to do that. But it, it, was, a, it was a crazy... Uh... Anyway, Blast. Um, so Blast goes live... Do you know if they're planning to have uh, the token live immediately on launch, or do you know any details about kind of how like that their incentives are, are planning that you can share? Uh, I actually like I have no idea right now. Um, I know that like one thing they're going to do is allow like um, projects to like pass through incentives to like um, like their users. So like you know how we're doing like blast points for like TVO and stuff, just like. A way of like funds are parked in the smart contract to like pass that on to like the users of the protocol um so but th that's really all i know like um i'm sure that like i could find out more but i haven't been like like that interested honestly <laughs> deploys on blast not very interested in incentives dude like if we if we get the incentives great man but like it's we gotta like build it first oh um, yeah so is Blitz going to have a uh, a separate token other than Vertex? Um, I don't actually know yet. So like, um, we've been like, there's like a lot of pros and cons, right? Um, so like, if you have a Blitz token, I think you appear more native. Um, on the other hand, like it sort of fractures like the value capture of the decks, and like, yo, 
probably upset a lot of like existing stakeholders and stuff. Um, obviously, like some of that can be mitigated if you did like a really big airdrop of blitz to VRTX, but like it's like a pretty complicated situation. Um, like for us, like I think it's just good to like, um, like we're still thinking about it. We don't need to like pull the trigger on anything. And like Blast is sort of like the situation that's evolving rapidly, right? Like no one really knows where it's going to go just yet. Like I'm pretty optimistic, but like I don't know for sure. Um, so like we just sort of want to keep like like the options open. Um, obviously this means that like, you know, everyone's jumping to conclusions about this or that. Um, and yeah, that, 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 that's what that is. But like, I don't know yet. Um, we're still figuring it out. We're going to like try to make the right call. Like, um, when we have to, uh, that was a better answer than I expected. Oh, okay. Your, your expectations were that low, huh? Uh, I mean, I don't know is better than a, just a hard no. Gives our gives our community some hope. Okay. okay. I think Rob had something. Yeah. Before Andy asked when token, I was going to ask, uh, like, what are some of the more interesting technical, like, questions or problems that that you're trying to solve or that like you find yourself thinking about? Um. Yeah. I mean, so like the uh, like the cross chain bit was like the uh. The part that, like, like that's like the main part of that build out. Um, from the tech side, like the stuff that I'm personally very excited about, and I've been saying a lot of time reading about, is just like, um, just making our performance much better. Um, so like, right now, like our performance is like I don't know, it's like I don't know, like maybe between like five and ten milliseconds or something like that. Um, so like place an order. Um, like we have some ideas. I think realistically, like we can get it down to like eight hundred microseconds. So like. Just learning a lot about like high performance compute and like, you know, going like really deep into the weeds of like how to push like a computer to like the absolute limits. That's been like really fascinating to me. Um, obviously, like that sort of thing is not as not as like useful to like the success of the company compared to like um, I don't know, like figuring out how to do like an incentive program perfectly. But that's the thing that I've been really excited about. Yeah. What do you I, think? I, uh... I could argue on a, on on multiple, like, you know, just that it is important to the company to reduce latency, you know, for the sake of the users to to get better execution. Um, yeah, but like, and admit, if you're... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, please. I was going to say that, like, um, like, it starts getting, like, very theoretical once you go all the way down, right? So like from like a hundred milliseconds down to like ten probably helps a lot. Um going from like ten to eight hundred micros, I don't know how much that helps. Um certainly cool, certainly fun. Um but like like you know, our books are already like really fucking like like they're like very thick at this point and like um spreads are very tight. So like I don't know how much like the additional like minus nine percent does for us, um, but it would be cool to like get our TPS from like I don't know like a hundred k to like ten million or something. Yeah, yep. Thick books and tight spreads, baby. Is there a? Are you, yeah, you're turning Andy on with tight tight spreads, deep books, thick books. Give my phrase the deepest liquidity possible with my. 
0.1 each 20x size. I don't know if you can handle that, Alex. <laughs> Dude, I'm out. I handle that all the time. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Let's do it in my balance. Like, uh, down to zero. <laughs> are you guys experimenting at all with like, like different kind of like pricing mechanisms? Like, like as you kind of like amass more order flow, you guys looking at like order flow options or like any of these, any of these like intense, these types of things. Yeah. Like sim uh, underscore IO, sim IO, they have a cool intense thing. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, uh, like financial markets have been going on for like a really, really long time. And like, they all sort of converged to like, um, you know, central limit order books being like, um, yeah, the way like transactions happen. So like, I don't like, it gets really theoretical, like what sorts of market structure, like benefits, like which stakeholders. Um, I, I personally, I think that like central limit order books are going to be what wins at the end of the day. And a lot of like, um, a lot of the stuff around like, you know, like frequent batch options and stuff like that, like, and like arguing why they're super good. I think it's almost like cope around like, you know, central limit order books, not like they're, they don't really work on top of blockchains. You sort of have to have like a centralized sequencer, right? Mm -hmm. So like, if you are like a blockchain with like block times and stuff like you sort of have to go like yeah no frequent batch auctions are like really good um and like they're great but i don't really think so and i think that's like a function of just what's like what's buildable on that piece of infrastructure as opposed to like what's actually good um for users and like the scheme of the design of financial markets yeah it, it makes sense the point you make about like built-in latency via block times um and how that attributes or, or uh, like applies to certain market structures um, that are more efficient for that design. But why financial market participants don't really care about that part of the design because um, it, it, it doesn't really benefit them. You would have to adapt and change things to like kind of like make it work for the end user, whereas the existing solutions already work. Um yeah, yeah, like I, the meme of decentralization. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that like if if frequent batch options and like um these other methods were better, I think that like TradFly would have adopted it at some point. To be honest, mm -hmm. like, um, like dude, I think that TradFly is pretty smart. Like, um, they've come up with a lot of cool shit. They keep the world running. Um, I'm not gonna act like I can just like code for like a week and come up with something like radically better because like I know what a smart contract is. Yeah, that might be a that might be a hot take, but like it, I mean, the fact that TradFi is actually not that bad. Like, we'll we'll see how much hate that gets. I think it's I think it's pretty consistent with uh, the way the world works at the moment. Well, we'll see. Like, I can't wait. Just like, I hope. I don't know. Hopefully, like a lot of. You know what? I'm going to get like a bunch of TradFi like synchrofins in my Twitter. So that's the goal. Nah, it's the, the negativity comes from the connotation with regards to like all the, all of the, um, the, the kind of stuff that happens behind the scenes, you know, that we're just speaking at with regards to how these mechanisms work in real time from a, a, a computer perspective. I think we can all agree that the shady stuff is, is actually, it is a, uh, a consequence of over-centralization, which Vertex and many other perp solve by having self-custody, and then blockchains then 
solve it further with verification on chain and things. So um, I'm kind of curious if uh, any other thoughts on that. And I kind of want to ask you about some of these scaling solutions that we're seeing today and what what your thoughts are. Um, maybe on like this like monolithic versus modular ongoing charade, as well as um, Solana um, and other kind of high TPS blockchains. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, like, I think that like, I think that modular, like, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, at the same time though, like, um, I, I think I'm, I probably lean more towards like, um, just something like Solana. Um, cause like you can't, like, you can always build the best, like, like you can't. In order to like actually push the envelope as to how good like your product can be, you really have to own the full stack. Um, so I think Solana like does a really good job of that. Like no one is as performant as Solana in production. Um, yeah, like they, they've absolutely crushed that. It's like an incredible um, piece of technology. Um, and yeah, I think that like it's just really incredible. Um, and I think that like the whole like DA layer is is nice insofar as like it makes it easy for someone to like um you know build a roll up or something like that but like if you're talking about like your goal is to provide as much cheap block space as possible to the world that's like reasonably decentralized um something like Solana is the answer yep nice good take i think uh high tps chains like Solana, say etc will dominate user onboarding and then I think the more modular ones, once chain abstraction and different things kind of come online, end up having a lot more growth in the coming years. Um, Solana will, have to, will face different issues with tokenomics and scaling and bigger blocks and things. But ultimately, I think it's the best UX on chain right now um, by orders of magnitude, really. Do you think that, like, uh, like, do you think that we need more ITPS chains, though? So, like, um, like I kind of feel like there's almost like enough block space already if people are trying to build like a like I don't know like there's not we don't need like that many meme coins to gamble on you know <laughs> yeah I just think like similar to, to Vertex how you guys have set up a structure wherein you kind of own your execution environment by having off-chain um, ordering through your own sequencer I think that we don't necessarily need more general purpose block space but I think that every app that wants to scale to actually be like something usable by millions and millions of people or have the potential to be like uh, a significant app that has longevity, I think that they need to own their own block space, like you say, own the stack and kind of control the stack. So that's why I think like this like launch your own roll up or app specific chain is is like almost like launch your own Solana. And then hopefully, you know, it gets faster and better over time with different I improvements. Um, generally, I, I don't think that we need more optimism, general purpose chains. I don't think that we need another DeFi Arbitrum chain, like probably don't need another ZK chain, but like more apps going to app specific chains that already have community and users, I think is like the next step. And then figuring out how to put them all together and like interrupt solutions under it, which um, seems seamless to the user where you could click in between browser tabs from different apps on their own execution environment. I'm getting into like the dreams here, uh, but, and you can interact with all of them without needing to bridge 
that would take us quite a, that would be like a, a good next step for the space. I think mid 2025 or so. So you think that every single app that's like reasonably successful is going to become its own blockchain or it's all real? Most of them, I think a lot of them will, which uh, don't heavily rely on the underlying base chains network effects um, dramatically, which of course you can make the argument that a lot of them do. Um, but but I think that the trend will be increasing. Yeah. Gotcha. Like, actually, like, we, we've like spent some time thinking about that at Vertex, right? So, like, um, one of the things about our design is, like, we push every trade to Arbitrum. And because of that, like, we do have, like, um, yeah, we do have, like, like, sort of technical constraints, right? Because, like, we're still dealing with, like, non-infinite block space. Like if we fully transition to like a ZK rollup or something like that, um, we could like crank like the scalability all the way up. Um, but like, actually, I think like the network effects are super valuable for us. Um, and like, like, I think that like the the main benefit of like sort of having your own like chain is like, like just being like valued on like, um like the cultural significance of your chain. Like, I feel like once you're like your own L1, it's it's not really about like economic value anymore. It's about like making memes and like having community. Um, and like, once you like superimpose an app on top of that, like you sort of actually like lose all the magic. Um, and like speaking more to like our experiences at Vertex, right? Like one of the reasons why our BD has been like pretty successful and we've been able to get like um deals it's just because like we're value additive um to the underlying blockchain um that we're on right so like um like i i don't know if i can like speak like i, I can't talk about like specific deals like they're still in the works but like um we're different in that sense from something like a doitx right because like at most like you can deposit into doitx and withdraw from doitx we actually like generate activity um on the underlying chain and like having that alliance is like actually really beneficial to us um yeah and then like i don't know how bullish i am on like the app chain hypothesis um like i'm, I'm still trying to think through it like part of what i think makes crypto valuable is the fact that like it's a community um and like it's just like a bunch of like just the fact that's degenerates on the internet creating culture and like um sort of having their own like sovereign like state in cyberspace um is what's valuable and like once you decide to make an app chain like you sort of almost strip all of that away yeah yeah and interesting takes i mean just a counterpoint real quick rub what you guys could, could uh consider as well as something that is still added to arbitrum is they've got obviously arbitrum orbit now which has a ton, a ton of advantages from a block space perspective. For example, if there are, if if you don't um, process a bunch of trades on Vertex down to the uh, L2, because effectively you need to be your own app specific L2 or an L3 settling to Arbitrum, Arbitrum one. Um, you you don't have to pay for block space if, if you guys don't use blocks. You know, one, two block, three block. You you don't have to expense that. Um, so that's like one advantage of like doing it and to get all the flexibility and, and, uh, high TPS without, you know, all the expenses. And then still your, your value added to Arbitrum, 
Um, but obviously not to the same extent when you're not when you're posting just batch transactions versus how how you guys are approaching it now with regards to the value created. But perhaps it's still quite similar. Otherwise, man, I agree with a lot of your your points, and it's okay to disagree. And I think we'll see this path of like some people doing app specific, and then once these teams go app, app specific with with one app like Vertex, they're going to go the osmosis route, which is that then they're going to ber- build vertically. And then it's like, well, now you're a general purpose chain again, <laughs> where you just own all of these apps on this app system rollup. And then some teams will just stay on the general purpose train, and then um, you know until things change. So it's going to be interesting. But Rob, I interrupted you. Um, I just had to offer that uh, kind of feedback. Yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's, uh, it's productive. Because, um, like you're saying, you either you either get closer to the settlement chain or you get further away from it. I think as you get further away from it, you start to get morphed into your category of your, the category of your own ecosystem. Some projects are choosing to take that route because then they're priced against other ecosystems. Andy and I were talking about this before. Is like you look at the comparables for any L1 or or like even an, even a layer two. And all of a sudden, your the FDV is like 10x uh, what you would be if you were just the app without the chain part. And if your goal is to raise your your valuation as high as you can, like that's one route to take. And so I see why why projects are taking that route. But you lose all the network effects. You lose all the composability. A lot of the composability yeah, too is, early, man. It's like community. Like, there's not enough interrupt. Sorry. No, no, I was going to add that, that like the interrupt between app specific A and app specific A through Z times a thousand is just not there for bridging and things. And then, yeah, like the, the community as well. What, what'd you say on the bear chain pod, Rob? You should tell Alan um, about the validators. The, the um, validators. I think you'll like this. I think that was, it was like, I think that was, that was smoking the bear that was saying that each of the members of his community are social validators. I think that's, that's relevant too, because you look at like a main chain and if you're going there, it's like, you're kind of like losing like those, those community validators when you go launch your own chain. Um, in a, in a sense, like you're losing that composability. So I think a lot of those network effects you speak of are off chain. Um, they're like the community validation. They're like the, like the memes, like that's what you're losing by launching your own ecosystem, but you're gaining an ecosystem valuation. And it's like, it's like I'm making a trade. And I think there's like timing. There's all the things that you would, you would consider when you would make that trade. Well, to pose that as a question then, Alan, do you think that the Vertex, and if you can't speak on this, that's fine. Do you think that the Vertex token lose, it is losing value comparatively or is is there are there's liquidity that rather betting on vertex it's it would bet on arb and how is it i don't i don't really think so like um i I think they're just very separate like i think i don't i think people like invest in like a specific um i don't know like people want to invest in like a narrative right um i don't really see how like someone would have like one narrative and like ARB and VRTX are like competing um yeah within that. Um I'd say that like 
where we probably compete on some level with like capital on our with like other dexes and then like um just dexes in general um but like yeah i don't really see our like us as like um competitive with like our native arb token so do you think do you think buying arb is somehow a beta or somehow a bet on versex at the same time i don't like not, not given like our eyes given like our uh our cross-chain plans i don't like i don't know how deep that like correlation would be and like i don't yeah like i'm not like that familiar with arbs tokenomics right but like my understanding was like um it doesn't really have that much value capture from like the activity on arb so like my, my real answer is like i don't know um i'm yeah. sure that like there's some way in which it would be correlated because like i don't know we create hype and then hype boosts token value or something like that yeah there was no right answer i don't think you know easy to see a lot of sides here but um would like to just thank you for uh, coming on owen um and sharing some insights with us it's been a pleasure to, to have you in your mom's basement as you're coding for 18 hours a day getting ready for blast blitz you're gonna blast Absolutely. them um and yeah i, I appreciate you, your insights Oh yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. This was a very nice conversation. Appreciate your time. All is well. Thanks for listening to the DeFi by Design podcast. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors for their support. Please check them out in the links below as well as on our website and in our newsletter. We'll be back with more exciting guests and insights. Until then, stay curious, stay informed, and keep designing the future of DeFi.